what does artistry and creativity have to do with leadership? Kind of everything. And in my conversation I just had with Steve Bowler, he makes this incredible connection about how his experience as an art teacher and his willingness to look at things in totally different ways helped him to become a successful leader. I'm going to be straight up with you. This was one of my favorite podcasts to record. He, he was an absolutely incredible guest. He gave me a lot to think about, a lot of really practical solutions, and a lot of ideas on how we look at leadership and the importance of integrity and values and, and how we show up every single day. I love this conversation. I know you're going to love it too. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Innovators Mindset Podcast. And I actually have my friend Steve Bowler here today. And uh, I, I've met Steve, I think maybe once or twice in person. I know of his work. And one of the things that I've always loved about seeing you interact is not only the way that you interact with adults and that you inspire them, I actually got to see you work with students and kids lo love you. And so I think that was uh, something that really, you know, I think a lot of times, we look in education and I think for me that gives you immediately a lot of credibility and they don't, they not only love your personality, but you know, they love what you represent, how you interact with them. And for me, that is such a huge thing. And we're going to talk about your book, uh, stand tall leadership, which I think is really powerful, but Hey, Steve, thank you so much. We, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and uh, shout out to all the work that you've been doing over time. Hey, love it. Hey, thank you. Yeah. So, can you, uh, can you just tell a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your educational journey? Yeah, sure. No problem. Thanks so much for having me here, man. And uh, yeah, we had a few times to connect and everything. So who I am, uh, I, I'm Steve Bowler. I go by the name of Stan Tall Steve. And the reason why I go by the name of Stan Tall Steve is I'm six foot seven inches tall. I, I'm a tall guy. Um, I look like a basketball player. It was funny. We've just been talking about this a little bit earlier. I, I, you see me, you instantly think, oh, there's a ball player. Six, seven black guy, bald head, got to be a ball player. But that's not who I am. Uh, I'm not a basketball player uh, at all. I played in high school, didn't play in college. Um, I could dunk the ball. Not going to do it for you. Yes, I played in high school. You know, it's all those things. But, um, but my journey, so to speak, I, I started off... Uh, my, my educational teaching career as an elementary art school teacher. I, 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 I taught art. I taught art pre-K to third grade, little tiny guys. And trust me, you don't see a whole lot of six foot seven black guys teaching pre-K to third grade art. Um, but that's what I did. And I loved it. I loved what it is, what I, I did. Um, it was great to me. It was like throwing a party every 40 minutes. You know, the kids would come in, you go crazy with stuff, make something, pack it up, leave. Next group comes in, you go crazy, you know, and everything. Um, but ultimately, I, I got my master's in educational leadership, um, and from there, I became an assistant principal at a middle school, and then was there for a few years, and I got my principalship. I uh, got my first principalship at the age of 30, um, and I was a, a principal for a large majority of my career, um, over 17 years uh, in administration uh, in principalship. And from there, I moved on to assistant superintendent and then superintendent. And all while I was specifically an administrator up until now, I really got into the world of public speaking. I, I found it fascinating. I never had an issue getting in front of people and talking. My dad was a minister. He always put me in front of people. Maybe that's what it was or whatever to speak. Um, and so I really got into it. And so I started to think, what do I, what's, 
what's great about that I can say, I can talk about. Well, I was really great with leadership in school culture and climate. So I studied more about it and I spoke more and more and more about it. Uh, by the time I became a superintendent and I was doing that for a few years, um, my speaking, behind the scenes speaking, it got so big and it, it grew so much to the point that I was able to step away. And now I help schools and educators all over the country. Um, I speak to students, I speak to administrators, I speak to teachers, I speak, you know, to nonprofits, you know, everything about uh, culture, climate, leadership, and idea development. So, uh, yeah, that's my story, man. That's what I do. So, just so you know, I used to be able to dunk too. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> just saying. Oh. That, I know that, I know there's like so much, we're going to talk about the educational stuff. Mm. My one dream that I have right now is that one day I'll be able to dunk again on a 10 foot rim. Like that is, that's like my goal. That is right. like my goal that one day. I don't know if I could ever do it again, but yeah. Hey so, man, whenever I'm in a, whenever I'm near a basketball hoop, whatever like that, I always jump up and make sure I can grab the rim. I said, all right, I still got it. I'm all right. I'm all right. I might not be, I might not be able to dunk it, but I know I can jump up and I can grab the rim. I'm always able to do that still. So. <laughs> Hey, so, so one of the things we just, we just recorded, um, a, a separate podcast together and you said something that I never thought of, and it actually was really interesting to me. And it really makes sense is that it's not usual that an, a, like an art teacher goes into administration. I, I, I don't know. I don't know many, to be honest with you. I, I honestly, I don't know if I could name any. But when I was listening to you and thinking about like, we always like my big thing is innovation, right? Innovation and creativity is obviously a huge part of innovation. Right. And when I look at like a lot of times people equate, um, you know, doing stuff with tech is innovation. I'm like, no, it's really kind of like thinking, you know, and creating new solutions. Mm -hmm. And then when I was like, listening, I'm like, like our teachers, this is this, they would be amazing at, you know, administration. So like, like talk about that, like that process and you know, like as an art teacher going into leadership, like why, why is that such a, a such a, like a, a fit that makes sense? Like I, I just, does. that blew my mind when I said that. Yeah. It, it makes great sense. Now, if you think about a lot of different administrators, there's a, there's a ton of administrators who are um, phys ed teachers. Okay. I, I've, mm -hmm. I've known tons of them that are phys ed teachers. Why? Because phys ed teachers deal with coaching. Phys ed teachers lead with large groups. Phys ed teachers, they lend themselves to it, to the management of, uh, of a school. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some good leader that were former uh, phys ed teachers, whatever. But then when you talk about your art teachers, okay? Art teachers, highly creative. They think mm -hmm. outside of the box. As a matter of fact, they blow the freaking box up sometimes. They just, you know, they're on, they, they, there is no box. You always say, you know, think outside the box, but you never get out of your box to see somebody else's box to see what they have, blah, blah, blah. So my process was, I mean, truly, I thought I had the dream job. And whenever I go to art conferences, whatever like that, art teachers in general, they truly believe they have the dream job. Mm -hmm. They get to be fully immersed in their creativity, teaching other kids to be creative. I don't know too many people who are angry going to an art class. I mean, kids are happy when they come to art class. You just, it's how right. much of a dream is it? Uh, like I said, it was like throwing a party every 40 minutes. The kids just come up and have a great time. So I had a situation where I had an evaluation from my principal. Uh, after the evaluation, we had our post-evaluation. We sat, we talked about it. It was a great, great evaluation. I got good marks, quality marks. Some things I can improve on, but good marks. When it was over with, he says, you know, I'm getting up ready to leave. He says, oh yeah, by the way, Steve, 
make sure you go back and you know get your masters because that was a year like year two maybe year three of me teaching and i was like okay yeah and he was like, hold it hold it sit down and i was like what i didn't like the way you said that <laughs> and i was like what he said sit down he says steve i'm telling you and i sat down i was respectful get your mat. He says, it moves you up on a pay scale. And he was going all through the basic things. And I said, to be honest with you, Dr. Gray, I, I don't know. I don't know what to get my master's in. I, I knew I didn't want to get my master's in art education again. I, I know. Or, you know, and he's like, you can get anything, you can get it in instruction. You can get it in educational leadership. You can be a principal. There's a, what? what? What did you say? He says, you can be a principal. Really? I said, I'm an art teacher. Now, the reason why I said that was because a lot of people at the time thought that art teachers, aren't, you know, some people think they're not real teachers. You're not getting into, you know, curricula. You're not getting instructional strategies. You're just, you know, having fun with the kids, so to speak. Hmm. And I, I, I fell into that as well. I thought that as well. And he was just like, why can't an art teacher be an administrator or a principal? Mm -hmm. Why not? And I sat there and I was like, why not? Huh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he blew me, I was just like, my mind was blown. And, and, and so I spent the next remainder of that school year, I, I really looked at administrators. I looked at what they did. I, I asked a lot of questions. I was always checking out what they were doing. And I came to realize I don't like administrators. I did not like that job. <laughs> I, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This is, this sucks. I mean, I got this dream job throwing parties every 40 minutes, immersing my creativity, and that job is like, ugh. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I want to bring my creativity to that job. I I know there's things within me as an art educator, the creativity, the thinking out of the box, there's all these different things. Being, being different in aspects would be a benefit to the world of administration and how you can run a school, run a district. Um, and then when I, I, I stepped into it and I started to do it, yes, there were some things I had to bring it down. You know, I had to bring it down. You know, I can't be in there hugging a tree and going crazy all the time. But that level of creativity, that innovation, uh, it's, it's a natural flow within the world of the arts. Uh, and a lot of schools and educators are realizing that now. And like, this is something that took me a, a long time uh, to realize is that like when I used to associate art, it would be like with art equals drawing painting. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when, and I know you've seen me present before and the way that I utilize slides is I mm -hmm. think kind of unique to be honest oh, yeah. with you. And it's, it's timing just too. And when I put together a presentation, that is art for me. Like mm -hmm. that is artistry for me. Right. And I think that we have to help, our students, our colleagues expand what they view as art because, it, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but you know, like kind of that there, I can't remember this story exactly, but I'm sure you've heard it. Like, you know, when five-year-old kids, it's like, they all see themselves as artists, but then when they're yeah. 10, they don't yeah. like what, what happens along that way that we start to lose that focus or we start to, um, you know, kind of not see ourselves in that way that we don't have that ability. Mm -hmm. Right. Like what happens in school that you, you see, is there like a correlation there or like what happens? I, I don't know. It, it's, it, that's, it's very interesting. You know, when you, you you know, you look at kids and they, they it's almost, they come to the, to, to the age of awareness and they start to see mm -hmm. how they are doing things. 
and they start comparing themselves to others. And they're like, oh, mine isn't as good as his or mine isn't as good as hers. So now they start withdrawing back in those certain areas. And then, you know, the structure of schools and the structures of adults and others around them mm-hmm. who are praising the mm-hmm. not, they're not, they're praising, they're giving praise, they're giving recognition to things that may not necessarily be in the artistic realm. That may not be in a creative realm because if you stay in line and you're doing what everybody else is doing, ooh, that's comfortable. So I'm going to praise you in that. So what are they going to do? They're going to move towards things that they're getting praise in. Um, and then, of course, there are those that are just like, you know, the, you know, I'm, I'm going to go against the grain. You know, I could care less if I'm getting praise in this or not. I'm going that direction. But usually right. those are negativity things. I, I, have to be, I have to admit, I was very fortunate in my life. Um, my father has a degree in mathematics and physics. All right. My mother was a registered nurse. They were very by the book linear type of people. All right. Then you have me, an artist, woo, paint, draw. And I also have a, a minor in, and I'm also a certified music teacher. I, I play trumpet. I just never taught that. And my brother, who has a degree from University of Arts in Philadelphia in theater, very easily my parents could have said, hey, straight and narrow, don't do that. But they were like, yes. And they continued to encourage the arts and encourage those type of things. And, ended up becoming very successful in it. But, you know, when you're looking at that dichotomy of, of school and where kids are and how they start to shift and change, I think some of that has to do with the recognition that they're getting to the things that are most comfortable to the adults. Okay, so I got, I got to ask you this question and it's I'm thinking about it as you talked about being a superintendent and uh, I work with a lot of administrators and you know, I'm independent. I work on my own. You do right. too, right? Yep. Like yep. If, if you, if you don't want to take a gig, you don't have to. Right. And I think it would be very hard. For, like I'm being very honest. It'd be very hard for me to work with like under someone. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Again? Mm-hmm. So when, when I, when I connected with you and when I talked to you and I'm sitting here listening to you and this, cre- this is a good thought as like, Oh, I would, I would work for him. Like I would, oh, I would wow. that's, a kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because one of the things that I've been challenging is that this notion that, you know, Steve goes in, he's this dynamic and I don't know if that's how your administrator, your teachers would have, but to me, that's your personality, right? You're dynamic. I like every time, like I've connected with you, I like feel like, oh, I feel like energized and way better. And, right. and that's something to me. Yeah. And so one of the things is that the idea that Steve goes in could totally change the culture and then Steve leaves and then, Oh, the cult, no matter who comes in, the culture will say, because you built that culture. I don't believe that. I actually believe one person can come in and, and actually be like the, the change the culture. Mm-hmm. And I actually believe that if the culture is really strong, one person in the right position could also destroy it. Oh like, yeah. Is there, what do you think? Do you agree with that? Like, am I totally off? Because it's like this whole notion of, oh, great leaders build culture that no matter who comes in, I'm like, eh, no, that's, I don't believe that. I see, I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it. It, it, it depends. Okay, here, here's the thing. Um, okay. First of all, I believe culture is nothing more than a fancy word for traditions. That's all that culture really is. Culture, mm-hmm. to me, traditions, what are traditions? Traditions are things that happen continually. Right. A lot of times we say the word tradition, we think of a ceremony or whatever like that. No, tradition is traditionally. This is why we operate. And culture is divided into two parts. All right. Culture, there's your behavioral culture and then there's your operational culture. 
The operational culture mm -hmm. is how you traditionally operate, how you traditionally do things on a regular basis. The behavioral culture is how do you routinely uh, talk to each other? What are the behaviors that traditionally happen, all right? So you have a leader that comes in who is dynamic, who is energetic, who thinks great, who thinks positively, involves other people. They What they do is they start putting into place um, the, the, the operational culture. They start putting into place things that operate in a certain way, connected to what you respect and value and things like that. The behavior culture, how people behave and talk, how what is tolerated, what are they going to hold them to? How are they continually speaking to each other? How do administrators talk to teachers? Teachers talk to teachers, students talk to teachers. How is that expected? So when that leader comes in and they're upholding those values and they're keeping that consistency going, it becomes traditional. This is how we do things. This is how we make things happen. Now, there could be a leader that comes in that says that, but their actions show something different. And then you have a culture that's jacked up, right? And of yep. course, in between that behavioral culture and that operational culture, what do you have in the middle there? You got your climate. And your climate in the middle of that is the emotions, how people feel on a regular basis. So the goal is to make sure that that behavior culture and that schedule culture are in alignment with what you respect and value. And if they're in alignment with what you respect and value, which is in the middle there, that climate stays consistent. Now, let's say that that person who is that leader who is continually branding what that culture is all about, showing everybody what it is that it's about, keeping it consistent. The longer that person is there, the stronger that that culture and climate is going to maintain and stay to be. Now, if that person leaves instantly, that behavioral culture and that schedule culture starts to separate. It just happens. When the new leader comes mm -hmm. in, it is up to that new leader to find out what where that is. And they have to make their own alignment. And if they're going to make that alignment tight again, or they're going to make that alignment loose again. So it does. It, everything rolls from the top. It does. It, it really does. Yeah. You can have a leader that's in there that's not that could cause that to break apart or come close together but very easily. I think that that's the way that it goes. Easily, it can happen. Yeah, and, and when you, like, I, connecting with you, you're a very dynamic uh, person. You you radiate energy. And I've, I've read, like, I don't think that people watching this think, like, hey, that's the only way I could be a leader. Right. Cause I've seen some very people that are kind of, kind of don't have the same energy, Reserve. like a little bit quiet and absolutely amazing leaders. And oh, I yeah. think it's, I think it's partly like, do you like, do, are your values consistent? Right. Like, yeah. do you, mm -hmm. you know, is it like, I, I remember actually watching this one, uh, like, I don't know what it's called. It's, it's a U.S. thing, right. It's like the the state secretary of education or whatever. Mm. And I can't remember. I, I remember the state, but I'm not going to say it. And they were just like, we're going to do this and this and like just awesome personality, all these other things. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, no, you're not. You're, you're, you know what to say. Yeah. You know what to say to a group of teachers. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, so I actually went and talked to them. I said, so, Hey, I, I actually believe everything you're saying. Tell me about like standardized testing. What's your plan for this? Right. Tell me about like, you know, what you're doing to value educators mm -hmm. and things like that. And, and you could see the, the immediate drop. It's like, you can be really dynamic and if you, but you say all these words, but then if you don't do it, it doesn't matter. Like, doesn't in fact, I actually, think, I actually think it does more damage. Oh yeah. Right? Like you just say to me, you know what? I actually don't value those things. And cause then at least I know where I'm working from. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't 
give me this idea. I, I, I don't know if you've seen that before. Or oh, totally. It seems like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I've been around the block in education quite a while. And, you know, very similar to other professions, you know, politicians, whatever it might be. You know, it's all lip service uh, a lot right. of times. It, it has to, there has to be some, some backup to that. One of the things I think is the most important thing for a, a, a leader, doesn't matter if it's education, political, uh, whatever it might be, corporate, mm-hmm. the number one thing for leaders to do is to maintain a high level of integrity. To maintain, and now here's my definition of integrity, okay? Because I truly believe everyone in the world has integrity. Everyone. It's just a matter of if it's high integrity or if it's low integrity. Everybody has, right. you know, where do you fit on the continuum? Now, my definition of integrity is a set of beliefs, values, and actions that other people can depend on. It's not mm-hmm. about what you can depend It's what other people can depend on. That's what integrity is. Beliefs, values, and then you take those beliefs and values, you put them into action, and other people can depend on it. All right? Mm-hmm. Quick, quick example. Um, do you know somebody who's always late? Everybody knows somebody who's always late, right? right? It's a belief, value, and action that you can depend on. I can depend on the fact that you're going to be late. Same thing, you know, something's coming up. Oh, where's he at? Oh, trust me, he'll be late. Really? What do you think? Oh, I know. True enough. There you go. He's late. Then you have somebody else who always on time, right? Have an event coming on. Oh, I hope he's on time. Don't worry. He'll be on time. You get there. He's already there before everybody else setting up, putting chairs out. Boom. Belief, values, and action that others can depend on. Now. Awesome. So if you have beliefs, values, and actions that others can depend on, and you're given you're given a speech, you're explaining to everybody what it is that you have to do, you have to back that up. You have to make those things happen. And if you don't, that cuts into that that level of integrity. And people, leaders, you don't get integrity right away. Integrity happens over time because it's the beliefs, values, and actions that other people can depend on. You can't depend on anything if it happens one time. You can only depend on something if it's been happening over time. And there's four things I believe that you can do to maintain your high level of integrity. Number one, keep your promises. If you have a promise, you keep that promise. Promises are your big events, big, uh, big units, big, big uh, projects. All right. Keep your promise. If it, something gets in the way of it, you make it up. Number two, speak up for what you believe in. If you believe in something as a leader, you got to say something because they're watching mm-hmm. everything that you say, listen, everything that you say, and they're listening to everything that you don't say. You need to say right. something, even if it goes against the grain of everybody else. There's a right way to speak up and there's a wrong way to speak up. We all know that in the world right now, right? There's a right mm-hmm. way and a wrong way to speak up. You speak up properly and you, you stick by what you say. That means something. Number three, be fair. When making decisions, oh, if the, you, know, you know some leaders, they're looking out for self. What I get, what I get, what I get. What my company gets, what I What is fair? What is the most fair way to get the outcomes that are necessary for everything? The win-win situation. Right. And the fourth thing, which is the last thing, which is probably to me the most important is do what you say you're going to do, which is different than keeping your promises. Promises are your big events, big situations, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do what you say you're going to do at your daily tasks. You say you're going to be there at two o'clock, be there at two o'clock. You say you're going to email them, email them. You say you're going to follow up, follow up. You say you're going to look into it, look into it. So again, you have a leader who's saying all these things. My thing is this, are you, if, would you have high integrity if you are keeping your promises all the time, you're always speaking up for what's important, you are being fair with every decision that you make, and you do what you say you're going to do consistently, where's your level of integrity? Here. Therefore, you get the type of people that you can say, I'll follow her. I'll, mm-hmm. Her level of integrity is there. Whereas other people, because the moment that you don't do one of those things, your integrity goes down. Your integrity goes down. 
no matter what it is that you do, they're going to remember that one time that you didn't and that integrity starts slipping. That's the difference. That's the difference. Okay. Me. So I love what you just said, mm-hmm. but, um, I think I'm more amazed. How, how did you, <laughs> do you have this written in front of you? No, how did you no, remember no. All that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's what I believe, man. I believe this more than you can ever imagine. Yeah. That's yeah. No, I didn't Anytime someone says, someone says, I'm going to list four things. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm writing them down. I'm, I'm going to see if you actually list four and you, I'm like, holy, how does he know all this? <laughs> That's it, man. It's, that was it's, amazing. Well, it's, it's that was I, amazing, right? this is what I'm serious. I teach this to my, like, if you talk to my kids at home, they they know these four like crazy. They're like, oh my gosh, yes, I know. I, I talk about them all the time. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about these jokers all the time. Uh, I, I don't know. If, I, I just sit, I'm like, how did, where is this coming from? This is just off the top of my head. That was incredible. Thank you. Uh, I, I could give you, like, if you said, I could say like, Hey, here's four points. And I could just like, but you like, <laughs> that was amazing. I was so impressed, man. Anyways, if you're, if you're listening right now and you, uh, are not amazed as much, as much as I am right now, then I, I don't know what's going on. So that being said, um, you have a new book out, uh, stand tall leadership. Mm-hmm. So like, is that, is that listed in there? The, what you just said? Yes. Yeah. There's a whole chapter on integrity. There, there's a, there's a spot in there that, right. that focuses on integrity and how to properly implement that into, you know, not just your leadership, but your life. Um, you know, and, and how the, right. those four, those four points, they, they mean that much to me. I made sure that that was in there. Yeah. That's how I try to live. Yeah. And I'll tell you, like, you know, when you, when you're saying that, like, I, like, I think a lot of people are listening to this are in education and I, then you just touched upon it. This is something, you know, if, if you're going to say you're going to do something, I expect you to do it. Right. Hello. And I expect to like that, you know, I think that's, and like I and I also, if you say you're not going to do something, um, you know, I, I, I trust that too. Right. Like I trust like, no, I, I'm not like, I'd rather you say you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Rather than you say you're going to do it and then you don't. Yeah. And I think that's, that, I think that's a personal thing too. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the, yeah. the book's called stand tall leadership. Um, I, I, I toy around with the thought I, I, I could have titled it everything that I know because I really tried to put in there everything <laughs> that I know as it relates to leadership. I, I really right. did. Um, and, and so what it is, it, it, it the beginning of it kind of connects leadership with the world of tall people. Uh, and what the world of tall people is like. Um, and then from there, it expands uh, even further into a lot of different areas. Um, for, for starters, you know, we talk about the world of tall people there. I love my numbers. My three things about the world of tall people that, um, you know, that, that I'm right. Yeah, you're right. I'm right so. Um, so these three things the world of tall people that relate directly to leadership. Um, the, the first thing, tall people don't blend in. We don't blend in. We we don't. We we stand out. You you, you know before you know mm-hmm. pandemic world. You know if you were in a crowd, <laughs> you could see the tall people right away. They pop out like crazy. So same yeah. thing I feel with leaders. Leaders are not supposed to blend in. You're not supposed to be like everyone else. You're supposed to stand out. You're you're supposed to stand tall, so to speak. Um, so that's the mm-hmm. number one thing. The second thing is tall people have a different view of the world. You know, we, we, we see up here, we see a bigger view. We see a bigger landscape. Um, you ever been in a, a, for shorter people, you ever been in a crowd and you have a tall friend with you? What do you do? 
You tell your friend to get in the front. You take their hand and say, go. We'll follow you. Why? Because they mm -hmm. can see where to go. Same thing with leaders. Leaders, you have a different view. You see the landscape. You see a bigger thing. And everybody else grabs your hand and go. And that's your job is to guide yeah. them. Third thing is, is tall people, we don't fit. We're, we're living in a world that's too small for us. You know, chairs don't fit me. Cars don't get me started on airplanes. You know, doorways, ceiling fans. <laughs> these are issues in the world of tall people, right? So. Because, I kind of want to get you started on airplanes. I hate airplanes. Oh, oh man, don't get me. We could do another <laughs> podcast on tall people and airplanes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. And then, you know, I traveled like you, man. I traveled like you. I was all over the place, man. It's flying. Yeah. Anyway, tall people, we I don't fit. I in my knees right when oh, you said my that. Gosh. So, tall people, we don't fit. But do we have a choice? You know, we're living in a world too small for us, but we don't have a choice. We have to make it work. We have to adjust. We have to change. Same thing with mm -hmm. leaders. leaders. It might not fit. It might not work out. But you have to adjust. You have to change. You have to think of creative ways. It won't be comfortable because I don't know a tall person who is always comfortable. It won't be comfortable, right. but you get the outcomes. So that's the, the crux of the book. And then from there, I talk about integrity. I talk about getting results. I talk about being creative. I talk about how to communicate differently, um, communicating with yourself. Um, I talk about um, you know, turning, don't turn a, uh, what do I always say? Never let a crisis go to waste. You know, when you have a crisis, yeah. how do you make the best of a crisis? I mean, I have one chapter in there called badass, you know, how to be bold, mm -hmm. actionable, determined, you know, uh, authentic, uh, specific and secure. So yeah, it, I, I, the, the book is, I love the book. It's, it's great. It, here it is right there. It's, uh, it's bold. It's strong. It, it really gets to the to the root of, of leadership. And if you're if you're listening right now or you're watching um, on YouTube, just check out the uh, description and you'll actually see the link to Steve's book. So it will be there. I, yeah. So just make sure you check it out because I, I'm just I'm curious about this. Uh, when I wrote Innovators Mindset, and you just said something like, I was like, this is this is everything like this is, there's, this is everything I have. Yeah, I'm dumping it. I'll never have anything else to say. Right. And then, and then, you know, like someone said, like, when are you write your next book? I'm like, I'm not writing another book. Like I got what else? I have nothing left to say. Right. And then like years later, I'm like, yeah, okay. I might have some stuff that I can say now. Right. So like that process of writing, um, cause this, I, this is, this is not your first book though. Is it? No, it's not my first book. My first book was ideas, ideas, ideas. And that's just a collection of ideas improved. Did, did, did you feel that at the time when you wrote that first book? You're like, this is everything I have. Like, did you feel that at the time? No, or no? no, I didn't because that first book was specific to just sharing a bunch of ideas. Um, because mm -hmm. I've been collecting ideas about climate and culture all along. In that book, it does not have my philosophies and my beliefs. So I knew that another book was coming. I didn't know it was going to be called Stand Tall Leadership. I didn't know that it was going to be all that. Um, that book was was specific for a specific reason. So that that's why for that one. Yeah. Okay, so outside of education uh, and making incredible lists that you can remember. <laughs> I'm blown. That is that is incredible. Um, what like what what do you do that excites you for fun outside of, you know, education? Um, I love the barbecue. I'm a barbecue nut. Um, I, where, where are you located? New Jersey. 
I'm not even like deep south or, you know, North Carolina <laughs> or, or right. Kansas barbecue. I'm in New Jersey, southern New Jersey, right outside of Philly. Like, you know, but I love barbecue, man. I am. I. I, I, I love cooking outside. I have 11 grills. Yeah. 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should probably like you have like one grill called Integrity. <laughs> I should. I should yeah, do that. You should really do that. All right. I got a, a grill called Perseverance, Integrity, Justice. You know, that's funny. I should have done that. <laughs> okay. So, like, what? And then, then what? So, barbecue. Okay. So, what are you, what are you cooking then? Oh man, what, I, I, what is it? I have. I do a little bit of everything. Uh, I smoke. Uh, I smoke meat. I grill it. I have a griddle. Um, I have a green egg. I have an offset stick burner. I have a direct grill. I have a gas grill. I have a pizza oven. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I love cooking outside. It's and you know where it came from? Yeah. It, my son's in Boy Scouts. We started off as Cub Scouts mm -hmm. and um, we went camping when he was a Cub Scout, little guy. And, you know, they're out there, they're cooking in the fire and all that. And I think this is really cool. And when, it, when we did it, it tasted horrible. It was terrible. We were just <laughs> like, this is bad. You know, and we only made, <laughs> and all we made was hot dogs. I mean, it was it was terrible. So right. I was like, "All right, I got to get better at this." Aiden, we got to get better at this. Oh, my son. So I started getting better at it, at cooking outside and stuff. And then I started watching videos on barbecuing and grilling, and and I got better and better. And I kept trying different things, and I got a little obsessed with it. And then I I ultimately took a uh, a professional barbecue course uh, down in Georgia, uh, and then I bought a professional grill put it on the back of my truck, drove it back up to New Jersey. And it's, I've I just been going for it ever since. Now I, I collect spices. I make my own spices. I make my own sauces. I cook just, just, uh, just the other day, I made some beef ribs. They were phenomenal. Yeah. So that, that actually, um, so my, I grew up in a, I grew up in a restaurant, right? Like my, um, my, my parents are both immigrants to Canada, uh, from Greece and, and like, we didn't know one family that was Greek that didn't also own a restaurant. Like everybody had a restaurant, <laughs> yeah. right? And it, was, and it was amazing. So, uh, my, my lunches every day, like we, I would go home. I don't know if this is a Canadian thing, but, uh, we would have like an hour lunch. I would go and so everyone would go home to eat lunch. I would go to the restaurant and order yeah. whatever yeah. I wanted every day. Right. And I was, and I was, uh, we had like, I don't remember, I don't know if this is a generational thing. Like I never carried like a thing of water. I drank like soda <laughs> every meal and it would be, it would be like uh, swamp water, right? Yeah, uh, like yeah, Coke right, or right, everything. Right. But my, uh, like my parents are phenomenal cooks and my dad passed away uh, about eight, nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And we had this giant like rotisserie mm -hmm. in our backyard mm -hmm. and he would cook like a lamb it was it was the greatest yeah. like it was just and half of it would be gone by the time it was ready to serve right because i would just be picking yeah, out the entire time <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It was, that, that that when you're talking about that it just brought that memory back yeah. for me because that was like i've never like i like cooking but my my dad was like passionate about it mm -hmm. and just yeah, i think part of it too is that i'm like Hey, I love cooking, but I, I just could never recreate what my dad did. Yeah. Like it was amazing. I wonder if your kids are going to look at you one day and say like, 
I was good, but I'm not even going to try. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, you know, I pull them outside every now and then to do some stuff, you know, like my son, he can handle his own out there um, a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, uh, it's funny. I, I do all that. I, I, I cook a, like, I cook like a leg of lamb. I've, you know, any kind of meat that you name that is edible, yeah. I will cook it. I'll cook it outside, man. In vegetables. I do those. I do everything. Okay. I mean, I bake, right. so, I bake breads. Yep. That's it. Man. Next time, next time, I'm gonna get some authentic New Jersey barbecue. There you go. That's it, <laughs> Jersey style. Uh, all right, man. Well, hey, I know, I know you got to take off, and uh, I just it was awesome to talk to you. Okay. Like it was really great to connect with you. And anybody that's listening, um, make sure you pick up Steve's book. Uh, and you'll, like I said, the uh, Stand Tall Leadership. You'll see the the link in the description. Yeah. Uh, and you'll actually see um, in the description where you can connect with Steve as well. Steve, last thoughts for the audience. Hey, man, it, it's Stand Tall. My, my tagline is yeah. when you stand tall, you don't think small. And that really goes to growth. When you stand tall, you can't think less than. You know, when you hear new things, hopefully I gave you some value. Hopefully I gave you some things to think about integrity or whatever it might be. You have new information. You have new, new knowledge that allows you to metaphorically stand a little taller. So by standing taller, you can't think small. You can't think less than. And if you do, shame on you. Shame on you. Right. Why get new knowledge? Why get new understanding? Why get new experiences? And then revert back to being less than. When you stand tall, you don't think small. There you go. That's amazing. Anyways, thank you so much. That was incredible. So thanks everyone for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. All right.